0: You're listening to Recommended Daily Dose with Doctors Clinton Coleman and Suraj Sugger, the not so average health show with a unique spin on what's making headlines in healthcare. Welcome to the Clinton Coleman Show. I am your host, Doctor. Oh dear, I do believe you are talking about Recommended Daily Dose. Clinton Coleman sounds so good, though. It sounds smooth, but I think uh, let's be honest for a second. There's two of us here, right? I am Doctor Suraj Sugger.
1: I am Doctor Clinton Coleman. Formerly known as the Dr. Clinton Coleman Show.
0: But now, recommended daily dose. And uh, we're talking about something interesting today, and that is food. We all love to eat food. I think you do. Did you I eat did. lunch? I ate. Actually, no, I didn't eat lunch, unfortunately. I ran what, here. What, are
1: you, what would you have eaten if you were going to eat lunch?
0: Well, <clears throat> there's something called postprandial narcosis. That means when you eat, you get sleepy. It's the itis. It's the itis, right? So I fall asleep after. So I really try to avoid carbs during lunch. Is it carbs? It's not carbs. It's tryptophan ah, and turkey. Ah, from turkey. Right? Um, you don't want to have a two-martini lunch, which none of us do, hopefully. But uh, eating a heavy lunch, certainly for me, uh, puts me right to sleep. So I had a shake, and I had a Power Bar, and that was my lunch for today. So
1: we're going to talk about nutrition, right? So diet is really important. Um, and you had some thoughts about diet and, and mood I think you're going to entertain us about.
0: Right. So you know, And I'm not talking about uh, you feel bad and you eat a tub of ice cream. To feel better, crying over a breakup, et cetera. You know, we're really talking about does diet affect mental health? In fact, we're talking about something called nutritional psychiatry. Have you heard of such a thing? No. No. So, this is actually pretty fascinating. And it's a field of psychiatry. Cons- well, I know
1: people eat because they're, like, you know, they're sad. Depressed, right. they're sad.
0: But- right. So, that's, that's really like emotional reactive right. eating. We're talking about preemptively utilizing food in addition to things like you know medicine counseling whatever to improve your mood really yeah so you know the idea is that is poor diet a major factor contributing to the epidemic of depression in the united states i don't know if you knew this but it's a major cause of disability of americans age 15 to 44 so the question is could better eating lead to better mental health right we all know about decreasing incidence of diabetes heart attack stroke whatever the case might be but can it ward off depression any thoughts on that
1: no, I think when people are sad, they—I—I I, I think that's what emotional eating is. So you're saying right?
0: when you had the big all your breakups in high school, you—you you found solace in the bottom of an ice cream bucket. Is that—is that what you're telling me? Well, I wasn't a big ice cream eater, but um,
1: yeah. So people, I think that's the thing when people feel sad or they're stressed, they—they they eat as a way to make them feel better. I don't like know like chicken that's soup for the soul, right? Right. I don't right. know if that's directly related. Like if they eat a tub of ice cream, they—they they feel better. Or so we call it comfort foods, right? Right. Comfort foods. So I don't. You know, for me, it's Boston Market, by the way. But that's, Boston Market.
0: If I can get a chicken carver sandwich and some stuffing and some sweet potatoes with marshmallows on top, I'm a happy guy. I didn't know people still ate Boston Market. Well, but all right, That's for a different day. But you know, isn't it ironic, right, that most Americans, overfed in calories, yet starved for vital micronutrients. Just let that sink in for a minute, right? So we're saying, hey, Americans eat plenty. They eat plenty of red meat. They eat plenty of white flour and, and carbs, but are they missing out on more nutritious food, and could that more nutritious food be better for mental health, for brain health, et cetera?
1: Well, I know when I'm, like, pressed and I'm hungry, I get some fast food I won't mention any names, and I haven't eaten it in a while, I feel really gross and drained. So I don't know if that's a physical thing or a mental thing, but I can imagine how...
0: But how do those Happy Meal toys make you feel?
1: They're good. Okay, good. So they're still worth it? Yeah, and then I step on them in the middle of the night, but, (laughs) yeah. No, I think, um, you know, we know that physically... There's, right. there's issues with processed foods or foods low in, you know, good macronutrients. But you're saying there's a real link to well. There's more. Mood. This,
0: this is an emerging field, right? So the practitioners, the psychiatrists that advocate this nutritional psychiatry, just to be clear, they utilize standard therapy, right? So antidepressants when needed, counseling, psychotherapy, et cetera. But you know, their basic argument is that if you add fresh and nutrient-rich food, that can be a potent addition. Uh, in helping prevent or treat depression,
1: there's some science behind there this. There is I'm I'm some science behind
0: it, you know. And so we're not talking about potato chips. We're not talking about comfort foods necessarily. What foods are we talking about? All right, so a couple of things: those with increased B12 and long-chain omega threes. So, your favorite food, oysters. Do you like oysters? Oysters in mm, the ham I mean, show? No, no.
1: A mussels guy, but
0: Muscles too. But oysters, you know, well known to be an aphrodisiac, but actually, at least some empirical evidence. Uh, that they can actually uh, in- increase um, uh, this, the neurotransmitters in the brain, the serotonin, the feel-good chemicals that we all crave, uh, as well as dopamine to make you feel better. So that's one thing. Second, decreasing, and this is common sense, I think, processed and fried foods, right? There's been a lot of news lately about processed and fried foods, especially processed foods and meats, um, those with nitrates, et cetera, and leading to increased risks of colon cancer. But the idea is that they also could be bad for mental health as well. And what's the alternative? Well, plant-based foods. And we're not talking about cooked, canned, or even juiced. Really the raw type of vegetables, the kind of vegetables that you probably do. Do you eat raw vegetables? I do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Or even the cold press. That's why it's has very cold. I was vegan
1: for, I'm sorry, I was plant-based for two weeks. How'd you feel
0: after that? I felt great. So you felt great physically, how about mentally? Mentally too. When have you
1: ever met a plant-based or vegan, someone who was sad, I don't think I've ever met
0: anyone like. That. No, they're usually always doing yoga, right, and meditating happy. at the same time. Yeah, so happy. I think
1: there's some truth to this.
0: All right, and going along with that, Mediterranean diet. So what is a Mediterranean diet, right? Rich in whole grains, legumes, seafood, less red meat. Those are high in fiber. So I don't know if you know about this, but the gut controls the brain. There's actually something called the gut a brain gut axis. So the idea is that you have healthier bacteria. We call microbiome. I don't know if you know about this, but for every one human cell. We have about 10 to 100 bacterial cells. So as an ID doctor, when people get all upset, is there bacteria in this food, et cetera, I say, look, there's healthy bacteria. So there's human in my bacteria? There is plenty of bacteria in your human, right? And they're, they're a symbiotic relationship. So the idea is that, and this is getting off topic, but that's okay because that's what we do around here. There's a human genome, so we know that we have all our DNA, but it's really not just our DNA. It's how our DNA in, interacts with our environment, and our environment is really bacteria. So if we can replace unhealthy bacteria with healthier bacteria in our gut, this actually influences um, the neurotransmitters in the brain that regulate mood. So again, serotonin, like I mentioned before, all these things can be regulated by a healthier diet, healthier bacteria in the gut, those healthier bacteria in the gut either turn on or turn off genes the way that our genes interact with these bacteria, and we actually have improved neurotransmitters heading off to the brain and better mood. So see, there's actually some science behind this. And if you're a little lost here, I always tell patients, eat the rainbow, right? Peppers, blueberries, sweet foods, like be sweet potatoes. And why is that? They're all high in, in phytonutrients. And these phytonutrients have been shown, at least in some all studies, to decrease inflammation in the brain. So, you know, this is very fascinating because this is the first time really that it's been entertained that you're not emotionally eating, but you're actually eating preemptively to prevent and treat things like depression especially.
1: So you think we can use this as a, as a treatment? Right? Again, I have never is... thought about talking. I mean, I, I asked how their appetite is right. and how their sleeping habits are, but not exactly what they're eating or what they should be eating. So that's a whole. I think that's a whole change in what we've been thinking.
0: And I think we're all used to, as doctors and primary care physicians especially, um, asking about diet habits and how it relates to diabetes, right. high blood pressure, right. risk of stroke, uh, obesity, et cetera. But maybe not so much in mood, right? You might ask someone, are you having any stressful events in your life? Are you buying a house? Right. Are going through a divorce, death of a loved one, et cetera? But probably not really looking at their diet as possibly being a risk factor or a contributor or a protective uh, effect against depression. Maybe we should be. So I think we'll have to stay tuned, look at more studies. As everything in medicine, we look for the case control studies. I don't know of anything to date, but uh, there's certainly a lot of data coming out of this burgeoning field of nutritional psychiatry. Yeah, but I don't think it
1: would hurt to... Eat better to feel well, better. Well, let me ask you a question. You said you were
0: vegan for or vegetarian based for two weeks. What happened? What do you mean? What happened? Well, why 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 did you revert back if you felt so good? Oh, because I missed bacon and
1: like you know, I, I like the you know bad food. Unfortunately, tastes good and if you've grown up eating certain types of food, it's hard to change that. Right. So you know that's that's a challenge. One. The other challenge you could is, have had
0: the tofu bacon too tofu. I know, but
1: how how often can you get tofu? How often can you eat tofu? So I think another challenge, which we really don't consider, is, you know, the the availability of these types of foods. So, right. you know, it's only so many days a week you can go to the, the specialty supermarket. Well, you know, like, not only that. but You can it, find it, it, fast it, food on every corner, it, to, but it's hard to find tofu. And that's a great
0: point. Right. And also, if you're lower socioeconomic status, right. it's easy for a poor family to feed their family for 10 or $15 of fast food, right? We know that going to, let's say, Whole Foods, for example, is expensive. Right. Uh, you want organic fruit, fruits, vegetables, things like that. So you're right, but I think that certainly can be done. Right. Um, so if I'm
1: stressed about my finances, I don't want to pay extra money to, to, eat, a, to a eat potentially food. Food, uh, healthy food right. that is going to stress me out even more. So All I right. think there's, there's some balance. But, so it's uh,
0: everything in medicine. There's always a socioeconomic, cultural… Right political, if you will, uh, theme to it. So we're going to have to address that at a different podcast.
1: So there was another fascinating study I wanted to talk about. Sure. Um, it was out of The Lancet. Um, and worldwide they did this study, and they found that one in five deaths was associated with poor diet. So they looked over a period of 27 years, almost 200 countries, and they looked at the effects of nutrition on health. Right. And what they found, which I thought was fascinating, that one in five deaths or 11 million deaths were associated with poor diet is that so you're talking globally globally
0: and so we're not talking about people who are starving necessarily right this is not a a a deficit of calories
1: no they had about they looked at 15 nutrients right they looked at about 20 21 different regions in the world okay and they found out which region eats this which region eats that right. and globally um, diet was associated so so they define poor diet as diet which you just mentioned diets low in Whole grains, fruits, nuts, seeds, right. and diets that are high in trans fat. You know, drinking sugar, processed foods, and
0: red meat. So I feel like the latter is more the typical Western diet, right? Where maybe you'd the, be
1: surprised, but as I'll, I'll show you, yeah. that it's not just the Western it's diet; not, it's, okay, it's sure. a worldwide problem.
0: Sure. And well, the way, remember the Western diet is being adopted by many other countries that were formerly that's true calorie star. But this
1: study goes back to 1990, so gotcha. some of that predates. You know the Western infiltration into other societies, right? Um, but you, you can imagine that number, these numbers are so big. What if you had any other disease? Say you had measles or chickenpox, and it, it was at risk for one in five deaths. That would be like a crazy epidemic, and people would go crazy, right? right? Right. Or so a sure. I'm not sure why we don't pay much attention to nutrition and diet, how it as a, as a global public health issue, right. Right. So the causes of the deaths that they, they looked were majority of uh, cardiovascular disease, so 10 million deaths from, the, from cardiovascular disease, about 900,000 were cancer-related deaths. So when we think of diet, we don't necessarily think of cancer-causing um, problems, but...
0: Although we are looking at it more in terms of uh, some of the processed meats and processed foods, right? right?
1: When we think of diabetes, so 300,000 deaths were from type 2 diabetes.
0: Related to nutrition alone, Right.
1: Yeah. So. Worldwide, we were all terrible. No region ate the optimal amount of any of the, the 15 dietary factors. Um, so as far as globally, right. on average, the world only ate 12% of the recommended amount of nuts and seeds.
0: I tell you what, I eat a lot of almonds every day. I just want to make that clear. Okay. Okay, good. good. good Continue. Yeah.
1: Um, but we also drank 10 times the amount of sugar sweetened beverages. So that's me. So that's my, my Snapple and my, all those beverages.
0: Are you telling me you drink soda?
1: I used to drink soda. I don't drink soda. Soda's terrible for you.
0: Right. FYI. So now, instead of soda, what sweeten Are you... Because Remember... Juices. So that, that's a great point. That's and what teas. I wanted to bring up because, yeah. you know, people say, well, I don't drink sodas, but I drink uh, uh, a juice or what have you. There's an incredible surprised. amount of sugar, right, in these juices. Apple juice has 30 grams of sugar in it. Yeah. Right, so they say, well, no, don't worry. I don't drink... I drink cold-pressed juices. But the idea, right, just I think it's, it's important to note is that you get this release of sugar, even if it's natural sugar. But none of the fiber to temper that spike a in sugar is carbohydrate, right? So, so the sugar spikes up in the body. You get the insulin release, and you know it, it certainly is not. And you get the storage of the sugar and the fat. So it's something important to note that a lot of this comes from fruit juices, not just uh, sodas.
1: Right. So the recommended amount of these sugar sweetened beverages should be about three grams a day. So the average worldwide was forty-nine grams.
0: That's crazy. Three grams a day. That's, I think she was drinking water.
1: So worldwide, we consume sixteen percent of the recommended amount of milk a quarter of recommended amount of whole grains, uh, double almost 100% of the recommended range of processed meats, which is obvious, and 86% more sodium. So um, as a as the, as a human race, we're right. doing pretty bad as far as diet.
0: You know, I'm, I think it's important to talk about processed meats because you can buy uh, food in the grocery store that says not processed or minimally processed. You know, they use only brine, maybe some salt water, whatever. But it should be important to no, know these— Processed food is processed. Food, right. Even if you buy it organic, it's still processed, right? So anything that has a long shelf life is processed. And we have to realize, and we live in a, you know, nonstop go society. We need to have food that's uh, easily preparable. But this is, I think, going to be more and more studied in terms of, we talked about cancer and other right. other health illnesses, um, of why, uh, of how this adversely affects our health.
1: Right, because we assume the Western diet is such a bad diet, but it, the problem is actually worldwide. So, right. um Really interesting were where the regional differences. So, you know, as you can imagine, um, vegetables and seafood was best in Central Asia, Asia Pacific. Beans in Caribbean, tropical Latin America, certain parts of Asia and uh, Africa. Um, high sodium intake. Interesting. West
0: West Africa, probably sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. Yeah, yes. sure.
1: Um, high sodium intake was the leading risk of, of death, dietary death in ch- China, Japan, and Thailand.
0: I wonder if that's because of a lot of the pickling foods that are culturally. Or soy. Soy, yeah, yeah. sure.
1: Um, the lowest intake on whole grains um, was us, USA, also India, Brazil, Pakistan, etc. Hmm. Bangladesh had the lowest intake of fruits, and Mexico had the lowest intake of nuts and seeds. So I, I think you know, those regional differences, you can account for what they're with, you know, what
0: they grow and
1: what their agriculture is.
0: Agriculture, climate, etc. Sure. Um, so
1: overall, what were the countries that had the lowest rates of deaths? So you'd be surprised that Israel had the lowest rate of diet-related deaths. Hmm. Also France, Spain, Japan, and Adora. Um, United States wasn't so bad, so we were 43rd. But probably
0: of, still higher than you might expect. Right? What, United States?
1: forty-third. Yeah. You know, a lot of processed foods, though. So, so I, I was assuming it would be, you know, we would be worse than what we are, but um, we're right in the, you know, towards the the front end, uh, about all the 200 countries. Right. India, your homeland was 118. Okay. China, pretty 100. bad, 140.
0: You know, and there's a lot of studies have shown um, how a lot of the Western-type diseases, i.e. metabolic diseases, have exploded in both those countries as both their economies have gone racing. They're part of, the you know, the brick economies, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. And you go from countries that at one time were having uh, calorie starved, now an overabundance of calories. but Again, maybe maybe the wrong type of calories. Right. There's,
1: so, so there's economics. There's a lot of environmental things involved. Now, what are the countries
0: that have the worst uh, death? Died? I was, I was surprised
1: death. by this. So the Uzbekistan. Have you ever been?
0: I have not been. It's is it on your bucket list? No, not, no. No.
1: Afghanistan.
0: Again, probably not on most people's bucket list. Although it is a beautiful country. And the right. Food no is offense very, to. Food is very tasty. Yeah, I have to tell yeah. you, but unfortunately, uh, a political climate that does not allow for a lot of foreign travelers.
1: Marshall Islands and Papua New Guinea were among the other countries with the highest rates of diet related deaths. I think we can
0: probably see that uh, these countries in common are probably uh, lower socioeconomic status. Probably. Right. As Uh, well as political uh, instability.
1: So I I thought that was interesting. So overall, the world is such a, you know, not a good place as far as diet. Um, Even though all these nutrients are available, um, I find it interesting that, you know, we live in such a global economy. I can get Mangos from the Philippines from the supermarket. We can get year round. Get, yeah, yeah sure. I, I, that's a that's probably a United States thing, right? Um, other countries probably don't have the import and exports for all those. But you know, I, I think you know. Overall, we should try to focus on what we're deficient in and try to adjust that. So, you eating more grains and beans, and and you, and know, you, I think you eating drinking
0: less uh, flavored teas and fruit juices. That's a good example for your patients.
1: So you know. I think you know going forward, you know just being cognizant of what our deficiencies are. You know, I think remember when you were growing up, they had the food pyramid. Absolutely, you know, that's yeah. kind of changed. Right. Where um, now we try to eat more, you know, more beans, whole grains, more Mediterranean-like
0: diet. You um, know, diet du jour I would say changes, but these themes, I right, think, as opposed are to like having stayed. a starch.
1: With every meal. Correct. Or a protein with every meal.
0: And, you know, people always ask, what about this diet? What about that diet? These diets du jour do change on a a regular basis. But, again, the themes stay the same, which is lowering the amount of meat on the plate, increasing the amount of plant-based foods, and more whole grains, right, and really limiting sugar to essentially very, very little additional uh, uh, added sugar.
1: Which the study didn't show, which I think would be interesting, is the availability of each of these products in in each country, right? So— you know, some places you can't get, you know, beans. You can't get right. grains as, as often as you can. So, but just the fact that you know we're deficient in certain things and how they correlate to death in different countries, I thought was really interesting. So,
0: well, I tell you what, we've talked about food today, and I didn't have much of a lunch, so I'm actually hungry. So I may go out. Now get I a don't salad. even want to eat anything. I'm kind of depressed. Well, I'm gonna get something plant based, certainly. All right, cool. All right, so I am your host, of the recommend uh, daily dose, Doctor Suraj Sagar, along with Doctor Clinton Coleman.
1: Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. You can find us at holyname.org slash
0: recommendeddailydose. Or iTunes and Spotify. Until then, be well. Check out recent episodes and learn more about these two modern medicine men and their podcast at holyname.org slash dose.